Hello and welcome to Locked On St. Louis Cardinals, your daily podcast covering all things Cardinals baseball on what feels like a morning but is not quite a morning here at uh, at lovely Bush Stadium back from Section 252 back at the park. My name is Jeff Jones, joined by Brendan Schaefer. Brendan, uh, how did the sleeping go last night? Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of it, but it was definitely, uh, uh, you know, en- enough, I guess I would say. I'm, I'm, I'm dragging a little bit today, but I... As I told you before we began, it was definitely worth it to stick around for the end of that game last night. Uh, I got to bed around 3.45. What about you? I, I did a little better than that. I was I was home a shade after 2 uh, and was still fairly awake after that big ending of that game last night. And so I, I, I would say that I probably was drifting off in the 2.45 region. Uh, so not as... Not quite as brutal. I think that there were still some people here riding at 2.45 last night slash this morning. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it wasn't the worst. I, I wrote a piece, actually, and published it uh, on LockedOnSTLCardinals.com this morning just about the duration of that day Sunday uh, and the way that it started because, really, it was a 24-hour day, I think, because you had the, uh, you had the news breaking on Yadier Molina late into Saturday, and it was, you know, it was able to confirm late Saturday night, right around midnight, that Carson Kelly was, in fact, on his way to St. Louis. And so it was, uh, it was, it was a pretty, pretty interesting long day. Yeah, and, you know, we get into these conversations about extra innings and, and with the, the knowledge that Rob Manfred's tried to speed up the game, and they've talked about things they could do during games like last night that could potentially – uh, curb the, the 14 inning, 16 inning affairs from taking place. But I don't know about you. After after last night was finally over, as long of a day as it was, especially with about an hour in total on rain delays on top of a 14 inning game, there was no part of me that was like, oh no, yeah, man, they should put they should put runners on second base to start the 11th. This is this sucks. This is no good. Like last night is exactly what we what we do it for for the crazy stuff that happens that. A decade from now, we'll still remember. Yeah, a hundred percent. I agree with that. I, you know, the, the the people that I think care, at least from a media perspective, about that stuff, and and understandably, uh, is guys who are on print deadlines. But last night, when once you had two rain delays, any game was going to blow the print deadline. I think last night. So at that point, uh, you may as well just kind of let it ride. Because yeah, I agree. I, and I wrote about this this morning. That's that's the wildest game that I've had a chance to cover in person, and that's going to be one that's for sure memorable. There were so many aspects of that game uh, that were just absolutely wild last night from the game perspective and from just you know the coverage perspective. So much of it was out of the ordinary uh, that it was it was it was a cool experience. If nothing else, uh, it, you know that that's a game that that yeah for sure hangs around. The other thing too is that. You know, talking about starting an inning with a runner on second base, for example, if, if memory serves correctly, as I sit here and wind back through that game, I don't have my scorebook in front of me, I'd have, I'd have to look it up, but I don't think that a runner on second would have scored at any point in those extra innings until, I guess what, the Cubs 12th, Hayward had a two-out single, maybe that would have scored a runner from second, but there was there was not a lot of offense in extras, uh, That you know, not, not, not a lot of threats, I guess, happening. Well, the Cardinals' bullpen did not give up a hit until Mike Myers gave up a couple two-out hits in the 12th inning. So from when they took over this game in the late in the 6th, because Michael Waka, you kind of forget that he actually started that game, went five and two-thirds, gave up a couple of runs. I think all things considered a, a more than acceptable start for him uh, when, you, when you bake in the fact that there were a couple of rain delays that he came out after and still looked solid. 
Uh, but after that, six and I think six and two thirds or so, six and a third, six and a third, was the final total where they didn't give up a single hit and, and just one base runner, uh, a walk that Tyler Lyons gave up to Schwarber in the eighth. So other than that, yeah, pretty remarkable. And like you mentioned, that's one thing that gets kind of lost in this game because if it weren't for the bullpen and, and really the starting pitching holding up the way it did under some less than ideal circumstances, you never have what happened in the 14th inning actually get a chance to take place. Yeah, and I think, too, uh, of all of the bullpen performances that really stood out last night, there were definitely two that I want to highlight. Uh, the one is Sam Tuivalala pitching two perfect innings, hasn't pitched in a game in the majors since, I believe, April 9th. So nearly a month between major league appearances for Tuivalala. He was sent down and on, on his rehab at Memphis. Uh, the, the idea was that he was going to be stretched out to be a multi-inning guy, but he's never really been that guy. And even in his one appearance at Memphis that went two innings, he only threw, I think, maybe 22 or 25 pitches. So it's not like he had a bunch of stressful experience. Last night he threw two perfect on 29 pitches, and looked great. The other guy, and a guy that the Cardinals have been waiting on all season, is Greg Holland. Uh, and with Bud Norris now taking a rest, my guess is that Norris is going to be unavailable for both of these games here against the Twins before uh, before hopping back in when the team goes on the road. Holland last night pitched not only a perfect inning, but threw one ball in getting three outs last night. That's a huge deal for the Cardinals because the problem with Holland has been his inability to locate the fastball, so he's relying on hitters to swing and flail at that diving away slider, and they're not, and he's walking, guys. One ball last night in the appearance for Greg Holland. Which is definitely encouraging exactly what the Cardinals would like to see from him. And since you touched on Holland and Tui, I want to make a point to touch on Jordan Hicks because he comes into that situation where I believe it was that eighth inning after... Uh, Lions gave up that walk, and I, I see some people talk about, and I kind of got into it on Twitter last night just because it fascinates me, that I understand like the peripherals for Jordan Hicks are not are not very good at all uh, when you consider that he hasn't been missing very many bats. He hasn't been the strikeout guy that you would kind of anticipate for a guy throwing 102, but when I look at Jordan Hicks and see just the, the, the soft contact and the fact that they cannot square him up, I'm still impressed by what he's doing, and I'm I'm not a guy who who would say I'm worried about Jordan. Uh, all the all the numbers suggest that he's going to have a blow up here soon. Uh, to which I would reply, well, of course he would. He's a 21 year old who came straight from single A and has done nothing but good things for this team so far. Every other reliever has had a bullpen uh, bullpen blow up and, and hasn't been getting that kind of criticism. So I just wanted to kind of uh, take a stand here for a moment for Jordan Hicks just to say that that he's not going to have an ERA of one all season long, but I still think he's going to be a solid contributor for the Cardinals even after that first blow-up or two does come in for him. Yeah, you know, a thing that I think is unique about Jordan Hicks that maybe plays into some of this concern about his strikeout rate is that you know, when you have a guy with the velocity that Hicks throws with, usually that ball tends to ride up in the zone, and so a lot of those strikeouts come from either guys swinging underneath it or preparing for that pitch up in the zone and, and then flailing at breaking pitches. With Hicks, it, it, it's it's more a matter of that downward movement on the sinker he throws so hard, and that's that's a unique pitch for a ball to be, you know, be, to be thrown 101-102 with that much sink. It is going to inspire that contact, and you know, and you mentioned this, you saw three ground outs from Hicks last night. In fact, uh, he would have been out of the inning a batter earlier, but he had a ball, uh, he had a wild pitch that came in that negated what basically was three double play ground outs. 
uh, in terms of positioning and, and velocity that Jordan Hicks uh, in, induced last night. And so, yeah, look, is it optimal that he's not striking a bunch of guys out? No, but I also don't think that it's some massive concern given what his stuff is doing and the way that it's inducing outs. Yeah, you mentioned it. Triple digits with sink. That's not something like you're trying to draw comparisons and, and to put him in the, you know, contextualize the performances so that you can say, here's what we expect to happen. I, I don't know that you can 100% just look at those, you know, those sabermetric stats and say, yep, this is going to be what he's going to be, and he's really not that effective. Not to mention that at 21, uh, most guys in his situation would be developing at double A right now, and he's doing this in the big leagues and is doing fine. Yeah, the command is not, not perfect yet, but I mean, imagine what a guy like Alex Reyes was. Uh, when he was even in Memphis, the season he came up in 2016, he, he was lights out down the stretch for the St. Louis Cardinals. Even earlier in that year in Memphis, he struggled with command. Like, that's what young pitchers who throw really hard tend to do. Uh, I think Jordan Hicks is, is you know, going to be in great shape for the future. Uh, and he was just part of that bullpen effort last night. That uh, And even give Mike Myers some credit, too, pitching, I believe it was three innings in total, two or three innings. It was two, and though he yeah. gave Though he gave up the home run, it, you know, gives a couple of good innings for you, and, and eventually somebody's going to score. The Cubs do that, but then you know, with the, the Fowler situation in the bottom half of the inning and, and Bader getting on in front of him, Cardinals are able to win that game. Just it, one, of, one of the most incredible things uh, you mentioned it that you've seen live, and I, I look back to the Matt Adams game a couple of years ago when they beat the Dodgers in 16 innings, I want to say it was, but I think this might have even been more unlikely than that one. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the base hit that Bader had in the 14th. That that raises a topic of conversation that I'm, I'm curious your thoughts, because I know we haven't talked about this before. Uh, it does seem over, especially this past weekend against the Cubs, maybe in general, that some of the official scoring here at Bush Stadium tends to be, shall we say, favorable for the home crew. I mean, the, I mean did you, like... That's a ball that's hit very hard, to be sure, but it's hit right at Baez, and he plays it kind of backing up off to the side, and then airmails the throw, and Bader is given a base hit. The ball that Colton Wong hits to right uh, in the sixth that goes for ostensibly a triple is a ball that Jason Hayward just slides underneath, whether he lost it in the lights or whether the grass was wet and he slid harder than he thought he was going to. But, you, I mean, are, are those plays where you kind of look at your scorecard and you go, Really? All right, so here's where I'm okay with the Hayward one, just because I feel like when an outfielder messes up so miraculously that he doesn't touch the ball, it seems like that is typically the way it's awarded. Remind me, with Marcelo Zuna's play in left the other day, what was the call on that one? Because he missed the ball entirely, too, if I recall correctly. And I think at least initially they didn't give him an error. I don't know if it if yeah, they might have changed or not. They did not, nor did Kyle Schwarber get an error on yeah. the fly ball that Carpenter hit that, that he just didn't get to. Uh, so, so, I mean, the score, yeah, look, it's been consistent. I just don't know right. if I really agree with the, the measuring stick. No, I get you. I think that's right. So that could be a fair argument, but it seems like, at least with the Wong play last night and Hayward in right field, that's consistent with the way it seems to be called when an outfielder messes up so in, incredibly and inexplicably that he manages to not even make contact uh, with the ball. So... And great for Colton because I think that gave him a three-hit night because of uh, the, the ruling on that play. And as far as Bader's is concerned, if Yadier Molina is running there, that's called an error. But I think you give a little bit of credit, too, to Bader because of his ability to force the issue on that throw because of his speed. 
And so, like, does the shortstop have to rush it so quickly if it's a, a runner, you know, that's not going to bear down on you as quickly as Bader can? Uh, so sure. I'm okay with that one, too. I, I see what you're saying, um, but I'm also, in general, okay with a little home cooking uh, as far as the official scoring is concerned. So maybe that's that's coming from a place of bias uh, for myself. Uh, one last thing about the game last night before we get into the Minnesota Twins and the action coming up here over the next couple of days. You were here last night at the end of the game. Uh, we both were here. Were you – it seemed to me – that there was a feeling in the Cardinals clubhouse last night of guys that kind of didn't want to leave. I, I stuck around uh, and, and was in Mike Matheny's post-game press conference with Kamish and Ben Fredrickson and no one else. It was a, it was yeah, a quiet room. It was, it was, everybody was waiting in the clubhouse. And, I'll and, let you share anything from that because it wasn't on Fox Sports, so I haven't seen anything that came from that presser. Uh, but it was interesting to see kind of how the split was media-wise. Well, and, and I think the reason, is, and it was a fair assumption, was that it was 1.30 in the morning and there was a belief that guys were going to want to get out of the clubhouse as quickly as possible. Uh, but I kind of got the impression that maybe they were having some fun sticking around that clubhouse last night. I, yeah, it, it seemed like the energy after that game with the circumstances with sweeping the Cubs at home, Fowler getting the hit, it goes up over, up over Jason Hayward's head. There were so many little component pieces that, I don't know, it, it, it felt like there was there, there was an energy, I guess, in that room last night that made me believe that they were eager to stay at the ball. You know, it's, I, I, I compare it to, and it's obviously on a much smaller scale, but have you seen the clip uh, after the walk-off in the 2011 World Series where Yadier Molina is walking up the steps back to the clubhouse from the dugout, and he's yelling, Let's play right now. Let's play Game Seven right now. It, it sort of seemed like that came, that same kind of thing, where the guys were fired up last night. Yeah, the, you, you're spot on about that. The energy was there. It did feel different, and it was crazy because we're all standing in there, uh, kind of in the room that opens up to the clubhouse. Typically, when the manager walks out to do his press conference, then the media is allowed to go in and, and begin speaking to the players. And and I believe it was Hockman who kind of cracked a joke saying, yeah, if it's the Pirates, they're probably all going home right now. But maybe a little something extra because it was the Cubs, because it was for a sweep and just the uh, the sensational way that it happened. And as Mike Matheny is walking out, he kind of he kind of notices the amount of media uh, there, you know, going into the clubhouse. And, and I don't know if he made any comments about it during his presser or not, but just you could tell with the look on his face that he was kind of, you know, amazed at what had just happened and just kind of shook his head and muttered, wow, under his breath just kind of coming down from that from that game but yeah you could hear the music blaring god's plan was on you know that they, they were guys were having fun and even then when the media gets into the room they're, they're you know they're, they're kind of chirping and they're kind of you know Colton Wong was definitely a guy that was kind of vocal just talking about you know just t- talking to his teammates great game boys like you know that was that was a big one just that was the kind of energy that you like to see and I, I think the fan base likes to hear when they can, when they can be told that that's what the team is doing, kind of behind closed doors. Yeah, when he when he walked into the press conference room last night, it was sort of funny. He kind of looked around and said, "You know, I mean, you know, you walk in that room. There's what, like a dozen or eighteen chairs or whatever sat out, and it was just Kamish and Ben Fredrickson and myself. And he kind of looked at us and then looked at the back of the room where the photographers were, and he was 
talking to, to Scott Rovac, the photographer here who, who covers all the games. He goes, Scotty, you got some questions? Who's, who else is around? You know, he was sort of chirping, oh, sort of chirping at the photographer, seeing if they had some things to ask. But it was it was it was a little quieter in there than than we're used to for sure. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, I, I think you, I think you nailed it though. Just a really uh, a special a special situation, and and you know, in the comments that some of the guys were making after the game, they feel like this is a special team. And I know we saw. Uh, have seen Adam Wainwright make comments like that. I saw on Twitter today after his rehab start another comment from him that he, he says he's ready to get back to St. Louis because he, he thinks something special is going down there. And, you know, he's excited to be a part of it after a good rehab stint in uh, Springfield today. Yeah, he, he was very helpfully reminding his teammates that his rehab start started at 11.10 St. Louis time this morning. Uh, I don't know that very many of them probably got up to watch that rehab start. But in case they wanted to, I suppose they have the option. Yeah, he, he would have, he would have sure, certainly welcomed that. And I know that the guys, uh, and we saw this this morning if you were watching the social media, they they ended up FaceTiming with Yadier Molina, who was, uh, I believe, still, I guess, in the hospital at that time. He was, he was uh, home. He came home he yesterday. He was at home. Yeah. So, the, yeah, because the doctors let him go home. So, kind of cool just to see. I mean, it, it does seem like... Uh, a pretty tight-knit group that they've got going this year, and I, I don't know what you would chalk that up to. It's not like it's a, a vastly different team from the past couple of years, but I think maybe you, you, you get the combination of a, of guys that have been here who are, are tired of losing to the Cubs, who are tired of not winning the division, tired of not being the postseason team that, the, that this organization has been, that they think they are uh, over the last couple of years, and then some new blood that, that has some real talent and is excited to try and make something happen here as well. And I think that's kind of combining, it's manifesting itself in a, in a pretty positive way for the Cardinals right now. All righty. So, this evening, the Minnesota Twins, the St. Louis Cardinals, Fernando Romero for the Twins, John Gant for the Cardinals. Uh, looking here at the MLB.com preview, amusingly, it appears that no batter on either team has faced the opposing pitcher, Romero, making only his second start of his major league career. So that stands to reason. And John Gant, having played his entire career in the NL, uh, again, logical that he would never have faced any of these twins. Uh, so I, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about John Gant getting this start as opposed to a guy like Jack Flaherty, for example. I, do you have thoughts, I guess, on why that might have played out that way? So, and again, if this has been something that's been reported and I've just missed it, then that's fine. But otherwise, I'm just going to kind of speculate on the knowledge that, you know, for a minute it seemed like they talked about Adam Wainwright maybe wouldn't need a rehab start. Uh, that's kind of what happened the first time he came off the DL in the beginning of April. They went ahead and, and threw him in on opening day. Uh, so perhaps that might have been the line of thinking from the Cardinals. Obviously it makes sense to go ahead and send down Jack Flaherty when they did because they wanted the extra reliever in the bullpen for – for this week's game after his previous start. And so this week's games, I should say, after that previous start. So that makes sense from that perspective. But the Cardinals have had injuries and in, in different things that would have allowed them to bring Flaherty back if they wanted to. Uh, maybe the timing of those injuries didn't line up perfectly, and the Cardinals, or, or Memphis for that matter, went ahead and had him pitch on Friday, I believe it was, for the Redbirds. And, and so just the fact that Gant has performed well, uh, not only at Memphis, but earlier this season with the Cardinals, uh, in, in a relief role, I believe it was three innings that he had that he, he did pretty well in. And so rewarding him with that start makes sense. But I figured there could be some fans wondering, like, Flaherty is kind of seen as the next guy, as the guy to, to be part of the future of the rotation. And so just from that perspective, just discussing why it might have been Gantt this time instead, 
Uh, I don't think it's anything crazy, more so probably a scheduling situation as we kind of discussed off the air uh, before the podcast. Yeah, I, I agree with that entirely. I think that it's probably 80% that John Gant happened to be on turn for this day, was already on the 40-man, and, and, and was available to make the start. And so it's easier for them to just plug Adam Wainwright back into the rotation, assuming that he rebounds well enough from his rehab start today in Springfield. I also think, though, I mean, yeah, I say 80% of that, probably 20%, uh, a little bit of a reward for John Gant. He was, he was in a rough spot where he was literally in St. Louis for a day uh, the last time he was called up. And as you mentioned, did pitch three perfect relief innings, uh, got the win in that game, and, and you know, it was... That was sort of an awkward post-game scene because they were leaving immediately from the park that day. Uh, that game against the Mets, that was the Syndergaard and Martinez game. The Cardinals were leaving immediately to go to Pittsburgh, and everyone else is packing up their equipment bags, and John Gant's bag is sitting empty. And you had, I think it was Kamish asked John Gant, he said, John, are you, you going to Pittsburgh? And Gant said, I don't know, I think so. And the next thing you knew, they were pulling his suitcases off the, off the truck that was going to the plane. And it was like, ah. Poor John Gant. I mean, literally got there in the morning, pitched three innings, and then was back to Memphis by the afternoon. And so there's probably, I think, a, a degree of allowing him to get up here, get at least a full start in, and and experience that because he has earned it. And again, you know, on on teams with less depth, I think, in the rotation and the bullpen, John Gant, a guy like John Brebbia, they would be on a big league roster. And so here, as much as Mike Matheny talks about, you know, wanting to make sure that the guys in Memphis feel like they're really part of what's happening here in, in, in the big leagues, it's hard to do that if you're not actually here in the big leagues. And so it probably is it's pretty meaningful for him to have that opportunity. Yeah, when you consider the way the Cardinals and especially John Bozalak has discussed trying to maximize the 25-man roster and have the, the, the shuttle to Memphis going consistently with relievers. And, and like you mentioned, Gant was kind of right in the middle of that when we saw last week, or a couple of weeks ago now at this point, where like three days in a row, different relievers were called upon for multi-inning stints, and the next day they were gone. And, and while that's effective from a roster management standpoint and like squeezing the maximum out of your 25-man roster, you do wonder if that you know could be kind of a, of a drag on some of those human being players who are actually being yanked around to that extent. Like they're, they're major league ball players. They're guys who've kind of been up and down before, so they get how it goes. But I, I, I do agree that there's some kind of a, a, a mental break that you get from saying, yeah, you're going to be the guy you're going to get to take this start. And yeah, you'll probably be going back down after that, but it's at least an opportunity to, to, yeah, incorporate these guys a little bit more and make them feel like they're part of the part of the show and, and a team that's having a lot of success right now in St. Louis. The one thing I do wonder about, though, is John Gant being a guy that hasn't made many starts at the major league level, and and when these younger guys do come up, especially facing a new team that he hasn't faced, uh, you know, you wonder innings wise what he's going to be able to give you tonight. If he can give you five effective innings, most of the time it's like, yeah, you you take that in a heartbeat. Coming off a game like last night, though, certainly the bullpen situation is kind of murky to this point, uh, where where you don't have a lot of fresh arms especially rostering a guy like Bud Norris, so you don't know if he can pitch. So I'm interested to see how that plays out tonight. I feel like the Cardinals are going to be kind of behind the eight ball, though, uh, unless unless I'm just you know not thinking straight or John Gant goes out and gives you a, a, an exceptional outing. 
Yeah, so the Cardinals have not announced any roster moves yet today. We assume that it will be Myers sent back out for Gant. Uh, as we sit and record this, our buddy Jim Hayes, the cat on Fox, has posted today's Cardinal lineup, but he has cleverly cropped the photo so it only shows the lineup and not the remainder of the roster. I suspect that maybe was why he got to see it. Uh, but Carpenter leading off playing first, Bader batting second and center, Fowler batting third and right, Ozuna in left, Jerko at third, DeYoung at short, Wong at second, Carson Kelly behind the plate, and then John Gant. So notable there, Carson Kelly getting his first start of the season. Jose Martinez gets a day off. Tommy Pham still not back in the lineup. Uh, otherwise, I guess not a lot of not a lot of surprises. Carpenter leading off, I guess, uh, with Fowler batting third. That's a little bit of an interesting twist. But uh, yeah, so that's, you know, they're, they're going to need to generate some offense there. And I think they're at a point now where... You can't really sit Jed Jerko. You can't really sit Colton Wong. And so maybe Jose Martinez is going to feel that pinch a little bit. Yeah, I was just going to mention that, where it's it's funny how we, we, we go from saying one thing four weeks ago and, and talking about how Colton Wong's going to have, have trouble being able to find his way into the lineup when Jed Jerko returns. Uh, it seems like Jerko has not gotten as much playing time recently as he's maybe earned. And I think last night you see a home run and a double from him and just more crisp, solid defense at third base. There, yeah, there's no way you sit him. To me, you sit Martinez a day, you sit Matt Carpenter a day, uh, then you maybe find I, I would not even be opposed to finding a, a way to give DeYoung a rest and just stick Jerko at shortstop for the day. What's the worst that could happen? Like just for a, a once-in-a-while kind of thing because his bat's got to be in the lineup. And with what Colt Wong's been able to do, uh, really I, I would say his numbers of the last few weeks, uh, if you were to just look at that sample, have been pretty exceptional. And he's still giving you strong defense. So those are the two guys, as you mentioned, Jerko and Wong, that I too would like to see in the lineup. And then definitely keeping an eye on Carson Kelly because you're not expecting much out of that catcher position when Francisco Pena's in there. Uh, Carson Kelly, over the course of his short major league career, hasn't done much at the plate. But he's a guy that long term, you're hoping, can at least hold his own as, as a hitter in the major league level if he's going to eventually take over. Uh, the catcher position. So I'm, I'm interested to see, I'd say put him out there every day. I know you wanted to give a nod to Pena yesterday. That's out of the way. Now I want to see Carson Kelly every day uh, until, until Yadier Molina returns just to get an idea for what he might be able to bring on a daily basis. All right. That's going to wrap up today's locked on St. Louis Cardinals. Be a, be a, a quick set here against the twins a Monday and Tuesday, and then a rare Wednesday off day. And then they're off on the road for a little bit so we can get away. I, you know, it's, no one likes to be away from the ballpark, but maybe a couple days of rest to not be here quite so late and jamming these day games after night games might be uh, might might not be the worst thing in the world. So we'll keep our eye out for roster moves this afternoon. Uh, keep an eye out to see if there are any developments with the injuries the Cardinals are dealing with over the weekend. And from there, see how the, uh, the middle infield continues to keep the bats swinging. So, Brendan, thank you so much, sir, for, uh, for hopping on this afternoon. Thanks, Jeff. We'll see you later. For Brendan Schaefer, my name is Jeff Jones. Make sure you subscribe, as always, to Locked On St. Louis Cardinals.